What's up, church planners and church planning enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planner in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? What's going on, bro? Not much, my friend. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planners for the everyday church planner. So whether you are a lead church planter or you're on a planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Uh, We're pretty excited today. We've got a uh, a special guest on. Uh, Today, our guest is Peyton Jones. Peyton is a serial church planner, uh, or more properly known as a church planning ninja. Yeah. Um, uh, He's also a church planning trainer with the North American Mission Board. He trains church planning trainers for the Western United States and Canada. Shout out Canada. Uh, In addition, he founded the New Breed Church Planning Network, and he's also authored two books, two incredible books, by the way. Uh, The first one was Church Zero, and his most recent book, Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art, uh, is a must-read, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, He's planted churches worldwide uh, in Wales, all the way to California, and he lives to train others. And uh, you can also follow him on his blog, uh, Ninja. Uh, so Peyton, man, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Hey, good to be here. Well, hey, uh, Peyton, I know that you've had a little bit of experience church planning, right? And, just a bit. Uh, just a bit. And I hear <laughs> that uh, there's another one coming down the pipe, man. What's, uh, what's driven you to want to plant again? Um, you know, it's like that Aesop fable with the frog and the scorpion where uh, the, the scorpion stings the frog while they're going across the water and the frog goes, why did you do that? And the, <laughs> We're both going to die. And the scorpion says, it's just my nature. And uh, God God wired me as an apostle. Yeah. And I can't sit still for very long. I can't stop. And uh, it's kind of like the Red Hot Chili Pepper said, can't stop the spirit when it needs you. So, you know, when you, uh, <laughs> oh, when man, you start Jared, getting Jared called. Oh, man, Jared led to sing that Sunday at their church. That's great. <laughs> hey. What a coincidence. <laughs> what does he say? What does he say? That the world I love, the trains I hop, keep riding on the wave, can't <laughs> yeah. stop. Right? Oh, man. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, bro. That's what I'm talking about. You know, you, you, I, but honestly, I mean, that's great. you know, it, it, it is something that I think is internal. It's like an internal clock goes off in me yeah. at a certain point and goes, right, you know, we, we, we got to go reach more lost people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Alan Hirsch pointed out that there are settlers and pioneers. And I really wish that I was a settler. You know, um, pioneers mm-hmm. get the arrows. You know, yeah. um, settlers get the farms. I want a farm, man. I want, I want like church planting Sims 2.0. You know, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> keep starting over, but I can't help it. And I think it's part of that internal body clock, spiritually speaking, that goes off in every church planner. Yeah. Wow. Serial church planner. Let's put it that way. I used to think there was something wrong with me because I would plan a church. Things would be incredibly awesome. And then I would... Be either have attachment issues or want to keep going on somewhere else. And I, I, I used to think I'm just broken. Like it must be from, you know, my poor childhood must be, and I'd psychoanalyze myself. And finally, one day I realized I had a guy tell me, he goes, you're, you're apostolic. And I, I said, you know, my theology doesn't allow me to believe such things, which it didn't at that time. Yeah. And he goes, well, you are, you start things and you cross frontiers and you, you're more comfortable doing church with lost people and starting it from zero and, I was like, yeah, that that <laughs> you did kind of nail me. He goes, well, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're like some dude that has superpowers and is, you know, like the 13th warrior out of the 12 apostles. I'm saying <laughs> you're a missionary. Yeah, yeah. And and that that started opening up my thinking. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, all that to say, I just, yeah. And, and I have a weird way of doing church. And I think. Uh, over the years, I've grown in my approach to it. It's very first century. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of plant very first century style churches. Yeah, I, I remember the guys like, so J.D. Payne and Steve Addison were probably like the two guys that introduced me to the concept of like apostolic church mm-hmm. planning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back, you know, several years ago when I was still, I, I've only been a follower of Jesus for about uh, almost eight years now. And so I went to Bible college right after that. And, you know, that's when I started re- you know, just devouring their stuff. And, um, and one of the things that's been interesting for me is trying to figure out, you know, how am I wired? Um, hey, I was wondering if you could maybe talk about that. Like, um, how do you guys figure out how they're wired? Like, how did you, you know, discover that, man, I, I really am wired apostolically? Uh, or maybe, 
what's the difference between that and maybe a guy's just being impatient? Yeah. And, um, and just to piggyback on that question too, like what you just now said, the end. So what's the difference between a guy's apostolic and a guy's restless? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it, it's funny because I think the restlessness and the impatience is what I talk about in Truth Zero, that holy frustration mm. that comes about because uh, with Paul, you know, Jesus calls him. Imagine this, you know, you're, you're on the road going from point A to point B. The risen Jesus appears to you and says to you and gives you your entire mission mandate by saying you're going to open the eyes of the Gentile and be a light to them. And you, you get all that. But the 12 guys that Jesus was with, they don't get that yet, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they don't get that memo for years. And you go to Jerusalem like Paul did, and you try to tell them, and you're there for under two weeks, and they kind of look at each other and smile and say, okay, you know, um, I think this guy's crazy. He's talking about going to the Gentiles. You know, Peter needs three times a vision, right, to get yeah. that message. Three times. Jesus has to be, only has to appear to Paul once. But he has to appear to Peter three times. Wow. And, and, and as you, you know, kind of, as you go on in the story, it's 11 to almost 12 years until Paul finally gets that knock at his door from Barnabas. Mm. And I, I maintain that by the time Paul has that knock on the door where, you know, the apostles send Barnabas up to explore what's going on in Antioch, he goes there and then thinks, you know, I remember that knucklehead Paul you know, coming, coming years ago to Jerusalem and telling us this, we just didn't listen. Mm. And then he goes, I think I'll go over to Turkey, get him. He goes to Turkey. He goes to Tarsus. He knocks on Paul's door. And at that moment, freeze frame, there's Paul. And this is the moment he's been waiting for. And I think the second that door opened, he was like a bull out charging out of the gates and he never stopped because he had been held back for 11 to 12 years. And I think with church planners, Often God builds up that frustration. Um, he builds up that pent up uh, kind of I, let me at him, let me at him, kind of like scrappy do. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a healthy thing because once you get your chance, you need to go for it. And Paul never slowed down. The only way you could stop the apostle Paul was to lock him up in prison or eventually separate his head from his shoulders. Yeah. yeah. So way you could keep him down. Yeah. Well, and- so I didn't answer your first part of your question, though. <laughs> you want me to answer that? Or- yeah. yeah, go for it, man. I answered the second part, yeah. but I didn't answer the first. So uh, so with with an apostolic, there are different types of apostolic guys. There's guys like James who are senders in Jerusalem. Um, and, of course, James's role was to uh, kind of reach a very specific – you know, there, there are people that are sent to place – and there are people that are sent to people groups. Mm. So Paul That's says, good. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you find people that are like, hey, I have to go here now. Yeah. Paul has to go to Spain. So you see people that feel there's a geographical place at times. So you'll have a guy who says, I need to plant in D.C. Mm-hmm. Then there's another guy who goes, I don't know where I'm going to plant, but I need I need to go minister to the Chinese. It's just China's big country and I don't know where. So you see all of this in scripture, but with, um, with, uh, the apostle and the apostolic calling, I don't, Paul says he was an apostle from birth, but I don't think he understood that till later. So with us, I think what happens often, and I'm, 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 I laid this out in church zero a little bit, um, where I say that a church planner or, or an apostolic church planner, um, it, it really means a, a sent one. So you got apostles that send others. You have like Lloyd Jones um, in in H. Murray in the Fight of Faith, Lloyd Jones's biography, um, second volume says he, he has a whole chapter of all the things that started under Lloyd Jones. Now Ian Murray, being a good Presbyterian, will not come out and say that Lloyd Jones was apostolic, <laughs> but he was. Charles Spurgeon was apostolic because of all of the missionaries and all of those things that started up under him. Mm -hmm. Um, When you see that many ministries catalyzing around a guy, even if he stays put, he's apostolic. He's just a sending apostle Mm -hmm. as opposed to a going. Then you see guys like William Booth, who's on the streets, in the trenches. Hey, hashtag in the trenches. (laughs) Um, Boom, baby. (laughs) Peyton, your check is in the mail, bro. The you bad news is it's in we, Canadian. 
send it to the North American Mission Board as a donation. He has to say but, that. <laughs> but but here's here's the deal. Um, you know, you, you see that uh, this is it for me. As I always thought as a teacher. So going back to Church Zero, the Swiss Army knife, yeah. an apostle when he starts off. Um, think of him. He's a startup guy. He doesn't know often what he is, but he's able to, to, to maybe do some shepherding. He's able to do some teaching. He's able to do these, but he might excel at evangelism or he might excel in teaching and be able to do evangelism. His prophetic gifts might be small, but he might have another large uh, gift that, you know, is one of those Ephesians for, and I, I, I kind of maintain that the apostolic leader, when he's church planning, because he's a startup guy, he's like a one-man band. He has to be able to play all the instruments. It's just, if you saw a guy as a one-man band, you would pass him on the street and say, oh, neat, but you wouldn't buy the CD mm. because you don't want to listen to that, right? <laughs> so it was same with the, the church planter, the startup guy, and I mean serial church planter, not a guy who's going to stay, but the guy who, like me, is sequential or church planting ninja is what I call that, where you keep moving on. You plant, like Paul, you raise up leadership, and you get the heck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be a ninja for me. But when you're doing that, um, you have to have all of the other giftings. And so I believe that God takes you on a whistle-stop tour Mm. of all of them. I developed Hmm. first as an evangelist, then as a teacher. Then I went back to school, uh, so to speak, on the streets in Europe to become an evangelist for Lloyd-Jones' church. Then I took a pastorate, tried to mind my own business, tried to fit a square peg in a round hole, became a pastor, learned shepherding, but really sucked at it. And my big blade on that Swiss Army knife is always going to be teaching. And I tell people Swiss Army knife because if the apostolic guy, one gift is going to excel. You know, let's let's be honest. All the other tools on the Swiss Army knife suck, right? But that big (laughs) blade's not bad, right? Yeah. So so all my other tools, like um, I do have a, a little bit of the prophetic. It comes out in my writing. And then occasionally, if I'm talking to non-believers, when it's needed, um, there might be something supernatural that pops. Um, but it, it's just when it's needed. You know, it's, it's not like, like it's, it's an everyday like the, occurrence. It's, it's like the nail filer, right, on the on the Swiss Army knife. Like, you don't use that, bro? No. <laughs> there's oh, a nail man. filer? Yeah, man. I've what? got one on one. Yeah, there's a nail filer. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Man, I think I what you try to fry bugs with with the magnifying glass and never works. <laughs> <laughs> what good is that? Yeah, <laughs> man. I think what you're saying right now, Peyton, is is uh, potentially blowing a lot of our listeners' minds because I, when we talk about apostle, there's usually there's typically a couple of different camps. The first camp is well, that's you know we you didn't see the you didn't see the miracles of Jesus. You're not an apostle. You didn't walk with Jesus. And, and then the other camp is is like well, that guy is just the restless guy that goes on. You know that uh, that whistle stop tour. He never stops. He's like right. a serial planter. But man, you, I just want to drill down on that that guy that you talked about who's apostolic. Because I, I personally, I, I think I'm kind of that guy where you you can go and you can start up and you have these multiple gifts, but then you, you know new stuff starts around you and you start new churches yeah. and you empower. And like my passion in life right now is pouring into planners and empowering leaders and yeah. helping them multiply. So maybe maybe speak into that a little bit more because I know there's our listeners out there who they're saying like, maybe yeah. I am a little apostolic, but I'm not the guy that's going to be the serial planter. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I love that you're talking about, you know, you're a hero maker. I love that theme right now. with The exponential yeah. hero maker theme is is the coolest theme they've ever had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and apostolics, that's what we do is we equip others. Think of Paul's yeah. ministry he comes into a city. He raises up, uh, elders and leaders. Like that's what apostolics do is they identify the gifts of others. Now, prophetic leaders stir them up right? and then encourage people in their gifts. So, uh, but, but speaking of the listener where he's at, who goes, Hey, my theology doesn't allow me to believe this sort of thing. Hey, that's where I was at. Yeah. But, but what if we understand like, cause we're all used to the guy coming and going, Hey, I'm an apostle, I have a Pope hat, I have superpowers, and I write scripture in my spare time. Well, we know that's bunk, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, so so it can't mean that. Yeah. So we have 12 apostles, mm-hmm. one for each of the tribes of Israel, yep. and Jesus handpicked them as Jewish boys to reach the tribes of Israel. Now, out of those, interestingly enough, um, 
three of them he really pours into. If you really study, yeah. gosh, I'm giving you guys content for a future book right now that's yeah. not even published. But Dude, it, you know, John, John becomes a network leader, right, yeah. um, for, for Macedonia. Yep. Uh, uh, James becomes the leader of Jerusalem and Paul becomes the Asia minor network leader. So, and then, and then Peter goes over to Rome, right? He starts off first elsewhere and then he goes to Rome. So you have these network leaders that spring up that, um, Jesus pours in. But Paul says, I was the 13th warrior. I was one born out of due time. He saw the risen Lord. He lays down. That's how we know that that was a qualification. But he lets you know, I am equal to them. No one else in Scripture was equal to them. Paul wrote Scripture. That wasn't the requirement, by the way, because guys who, you know, like Luke, Mm -hmm. he he, he wrote Scripture, but he didn't see the risen Lord. So even though he got to write the narrative, he's not in the same. But Paul equates himself when he says, I last like one born out of due time. He's putting himself on the same level. And that stopped first century. However, as Paul reproduced himself, he reproduced apostles with a lowercase a, which means, uh, and by the way, I always tell people, go to the back of your Bible, look up the index and find the word missionary. You won't find it there. Yeah. The reason why is apostle sent out one Mm-hmm. is the word, the New Testament word for missionary. So Jesus used that word for the 12, but they are also called in Scripture the 12, meaning there will only ever be 12 of those guys. Right. And the 13th, Paul, of course. So when Paul uses the same Greek word, he equivocates it. It changes its meaning. It doesn't mean one of the 12, or like Paul, who's recognized as the addition to the 12. He, he's like the amendment to the Constitution, mm-hmm. but, but, but he's legit. But the other guys, Paul uses it for, uh, it's used, by the way, for Barnabas. It's used for Silas. It's used for Timothy. It's used for Titus. There are nine guys in the New Testament that this is used for, where Paul refers to them in the Greek as apostolos. And yet we all recognize that that was a function of, of ministry that meant missionary. So when I say apostolic leader, that's all I mean. That's right. But it sure helps a guy when he goes, huh, maybe like Peyton found out, I'm not a pastor. Yeah. And I'm not a pastor because I've been trying to just babysit Christians. And man, I love to go into public spaces. Mm-hmm. In this, I could start a, a, a church in a skate park if I had to. Yeah. I could start a church. I could throw down a brewery. I could throw it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you just wherever you go, it's just unfair to the enemy. That that's an apostle. Yeah. I started a church accidentally in a Starbucks, <laughs> and that's how I got into this gig. It was an accident, yeah. and it was because of my calling. Recently, so like today, I'm training church planning trainers. Well, the funny thing is, is uh, I'm with all church planners, and we go to debrief how the training went. And because uh, these are all my team and we go down and, and, and get burritos at this place called Lucha Libre, little shout out there. And the guy who works there comes out, you know, and just will not leave our table alone, wants to keep talking. We're talking to him about the Lord. When he leaves, they go, hey, what in the heck just happened? Like and 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 I, I it's because he kept connecting with me. I said, that's the apostolic gift. Yeah. It's not charisma. It's the apostolic gifting. I wasn't even trying. Like I, oh, I wanted man. to debrief with my team. I want to, I want to just like, uh, push the pause button for a second. Cause you said something that I just feel like we need to address. When we talk about apostolic gifting stuff, Peyton speaking to like the difference between personality and charisma and in gifting, because <laughs> I hear that so much. Like, well, I'm, I'm an introvert or I'm, and we, I, I feel like Jared and I have this conversation all the time when we talk about gifts, we, we, we focus so much on personality, which biblically is the flesh. Right. And so yeah. like talk about, you know, to be an a, apostolic type, it, it, it has nothing to do with like how charismatic no. you are. If you, uh, you know, you, you're the party, you're the life of the party. You walk into a room yeah. by flocks. Do you just speak into that? I love that you brought this up because the the apostolic guy, here's the funny thing is that the apostolic guy doesn't stand on stage and walk around and be the big man. Apostolics are A, impassioned about equipping and empowering others. Mm-hmm. The apostle doesn't want the limelight. That's the irony of guys that, you know, on the God channel will go up there and say, I'm an apostle, you know, and <laughs> they, they tell everybody what a 
big bad apostle they are. <laughs> and it, it's the opposite. The apostle is, is decreasing so that Christ might increase. Yeah. He's empowering. He is the hero maker. And so what, what happens is with the uh, apostolic guy, he's usually, uh, how do I put it? Think of Paul. I, I try to tell people Paul was not a people person. In fact, I love to tell people if Paul were here today, you would not like him. You, we would go to a pastor's conference. He'd sit down at the table with us, and we'd all walk away going, who was that guy? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, just yeah. read what he says in the scripture. I work harder than any of you. <laughs> So we go, right? go to a pastor's conference, and the dude's like, yeah. I work harder than all of you combined. <laughs> yeah, he calls, every, he calls all the false teacher idol talkers, you do-nothings. He, it, in, in Romans, he says, hey, I'm not going to boast about anything except what God has accomplished through me. You know, it's like, you, you don't, you wouldn't like him. And you know who was just like him in church history? John Wesley. And yep. people, yeah. other ministers, hated him. Everybody hated him. That's, they're, they're not... They're not great people, persons in some senses. Pity, they they like, they have a woo, but it's supernatural. Yeah. In the natural man, these guys often are not. And I would say the same. I'm an introvert. I don't like people. I, I lay this down in reaching the unreached, <laughs> and I say what you see with Paul, because just just picture Paul with me now. People person, no. Yeah. People persons like people. Paul, when he gets zealous for God, kills people. Yeah. Mm. That's what he does when yeah. he gets zealous. He murders. Mm. So you are not a people person if when you get really excited about God, you kill others, right? <laughs> yeah. So so Paul hated people. He had a lot of anger. He had a lot of rage. Yeah. He had a lot of righteous indignation. And I don't think he tolerated others well until Christ starts transforming him. You see John, who starts off with James as a son of thunder, mm -hmm. gets transformed into the apostle of love. And Paul talks to this when he says, for the love of Christ compels me. That's supernatural. Paul's not saying, I love people so much. He says, something comes on me or works through me that is not me. Mm -hmm. And that is Christ's love channeling through me. And when I understood that, I'm like, well, that uh, that explains the, the, the dichotomy that I found myself in over the years where I hate everybody around me. I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like when I'm driving around, I'm like, I, I heard this this uh, stand-up comedy by George Carlin once years ago, before I was saved, where he talks about the guy who invented the flamethrower. Like, think yeah. of that, you know? He says, one day there was a guy sitting around going, I really hate those people over there. I sure, I sure would like to burn them alive. If only there was a way I could put flame upon them and burn them. And, and and that was the birth of the flamethrower. Well, that's sons of thunder. Lord, call fire down on these people. Yeah. That's who these guys were. They hated these. They, you know, they, these people don't respond to the gospel. Well, let's let's kill them. So, anyways, all that to say, what Paul is saying is instant people person just had Holy Spirit, yeah. and that's where this is why it's a gifting. It's something that's not natural. It's given to you. Yeah. And I find I I can cry and weep with people that two seconds ago on the freeway I just wish they'd die, you know. And 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 now it's but that's Peyton in the natural man, yeah. but in the supernatural the love of Christ compels me. I have sacrificed. I mean, you know, you can go through all. I, I lived as a missionary. There were times I'd. I'd I lost so much weight because I just didn't eat very much. And I was poor and I was working with my hands and all the things that Paul says. And you you realize, I, I have no idea why I'm doing this. Like, this is the Lord at work in me, mm. if that makes sense. And personality, by the way, um, Steve Timmis, to me, like, missional community yeah, is something yeah. that's kind of like, it's kind of like breweries, like microbreweries over here, when people are like, I'm in a microbrewery, and they strut around in America like they're awesome because they, they know how different types of beer. And when you're a missionary in Europe, and, and every pub in every village has a microbrewery that's been pumping for a thousand years, you're like, yeah, that's cute. And it's, it's the same with missional community where we discover, like, this is a new thing. Well, it's been going on for, like, 40 years in the U.K., yeah. right? Steve, Steve Timmis did Crowded House 40 years ago. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, Steve Timmis, uh, his church was like thousands of people all built in little micro groups, micro churches all throughout the city of uh, Sheffield. 
And uh, Steve will tell you he was an introvert. Yeah. And he says, I think God uses introverts a lot. Yeah. But that guy is so apostolic. And yet, but but here's the key. I remember interviewing Steve once. I said, well, what's, what's the secret for you? He goes, team. Everything's team. Yeah. And apostolics, they function in team as yeah. well because we're always about equipping others. But when we, we work best in a team, when we get in a team, that's where the gift really lights up. Mm-hmm. Because you're empowering others. Yeah. So it's not about you. So when I was there with those guys in that, that burrito taco shop, I wasn't trying. It was literally not about me yeah. at that moment. They were witnessing something that happens when I get in teams. Mm. Yeah, that's so, that's so good, man. Um, it, one of the things I appreciate about uh, Church Zero and Reaching the Unreached um, is that it's, it's really helped me to, uh, as I've been going through the process, yeah, I'm still, I'm young, I'm 32, right? And I've, uh, like I said, I've been a follower of Christ for eight years, and so I'm still learning who I am, right? Uh, I think I'm still kind of on that, uh, that tour stop that you were talking about, um, you know, getting different experiences. Uh, and I've been able to learn a lot about myself um, mm. and kind of discovering that I think, and like Matt, I'm more apostolic, but maybe not the kind of guy that's going to move every three years. Um, and even when you were saying just now about, uh, you know, how kind of, you know, not like being an introvert, uh, I was thinking about uh, sometimes I'll feel bad because when we go out in the harvest, we do a lot of door to door here just because yeah. it's one way we can meet lost people. And I've noticed and I'll, and I'll feel guilty about this when somebody gets, you know, like is hostile towards me. Like I either want to see them get saved or I kind of want to like fight them, you know, <laughs> like whatever, yeah. whatever they're like, they're like, oh, I don't want your God. I'm, I'm like, OK, fine, let's fight, bro. You know, like that's kind of how I want to yeah. be. And I'll feel bad. Well, but <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, I got to tell you something. You got to you got to insert zero. I talk about this. Yeah. So Wales is a rough place. Imagine what happens when you've got hundreds of years of coal miners and metal forgers and smelters and, you know, uh, foundries. And that was Wales. It was like, it was like apocalypse. You know, if you ever seen the Superman with doomsday and or dark side, you know, yeah. Um, it, I went there to a steelworking town and got my head beat into the pavement, like mm. within weeks. In fact, reaching the unreach actually starts off with that story. But what I'm getting at is that, um, when you get a bunch of guys that are that rough, and I worked in those factories, they were some of the roughest people I ever met. Um, it, <laughs> it, it, there's a book that was written about the 1904-05 revival. And uh, then there was a book written called Grace, Grit, and Gumption. And that book outlines what happened after the revival stopped. But, um, you know, or sorry, no, it was before the revival hit. There were these guys that they felt like the church had stagnated. And one of them had been a prize fighter before he came to, to, to Jesus. So they were trying to catalyze the church. And so what they did, like the first guy, all he knew to do was he, he walked into a city square and he saw this old man street preaching. And there are all these like guys kind of roughnecks making fun of him. And the guy, because he had been a prize fighter, he, he said, hey, I'll fight any one of you. Um, right here, if you want to keep talking. Uh, but if I win, you have to shut up and listen to this guy preach. (laughs) And if I lose, this guy will never stand in this square again. He goes, let's go. And they all looked at him like, Oh, you know, and, and, and he, they, he said, so shut up and listen to this guy. And so there is a place for that. Wow. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Bro, let's go pick some fights. Yeah, you know there we go. That's that needs to be our new like outreach technique. <laughs> we'll beat you up if you don't accept Jesus. Well, I, I think I think at a certain point it is okay when a guy's like and say, Hey, you know, if I weren't a Christian, you probably wouldn't talk to me like that. So yeah. if you want, because I'm still a man, we can go fight it out if that makes you feel better. I won't I won't hold Neil Will towards you. But we can go fight. <laughs> yeah. If you got something you gotta get out and then let's talk yeah. about Jesus afterwards. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you can always do that if a guy's like treating you like, let's put it this way. If, if I'm with my wife, I, I might need to tell somebody, hey, I'm with my family right now. Um, you need to change your tone or we're, we're going to have to take this aside because you can't talk to me like that in front of my family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not a violent dude anymore, but I, I, I was kind of a violent guy before. And so there is a time and place just to let people know, hey, I'm still a man. You, you don't need to talk to me like that. I think 
to a certain degree, that actually gives people a certain amount of respect. I think we can be so timid at times. And this is going to kind of segue into the, the, the other thing that I wanted to talk about today was, uh, you know, I think a lot of times we're timid because we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. But, you know, you read scripture and you look at how, like, you know, Paul or Peter responded, you know, to people who were out and out rejecting the gospel, like, uh, you know, wasn't it Peter who, uh, you know, Simon, uh, the magician or no, no, it was, uh, Elimaeus or whatever. Um, when he was talking to the pro council and the guy was basically refusing yeah. the gospel and he struck him blind, right? Yeah. There, you know, he kind of yeah. got, got angry and he's like, yeah. all right, you're not going to be able to see the sun for some time. And he's right. just like, bam, you know, and you could tell he was a little bit testy. Um, and I think, but Peyton, what I wanted to, to kind of talk to you because you, you talk in reaching the unreached. Uh, you frame the book around Acts 1-8, right? Uh, right. And you really stress dependency upon the Holy Spirit throughout the book. You know, it, yeah. uh, Acts 1 says, you will receive power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the quotes from your book, you said, a church devoid of the Spirit's power is a church that has lost its grip on one of the most powerful evangelistic tools at its disposal. True. Could you just uh, man, speak into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, well, like, so you read Acts, right? Like, if, if you're reading Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, I mean, it's the intro to the book. It's, it's what sets the whole tone. Right. It's what explains everything. And if Luke is bending over backwards to say just one thing, what is it? It's that these guys couldn't have done smack yeah. unless they had a power yeah. that they did not naturally possess. Now, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I watch the church. We're all into the... Five points that will revolutionize your church. This and that. You know, my secret formula. Join this. Join that. Um, Give me this money. Give me your money here. All all I know is that Luke says it was the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't care how well-trained you – like, you, maybe you traveled around with some great event. Maybe Billy Graham. You know, you were his right-hand guy. Maybe you uh, can, can, you know, uh, maybe you got your Ph.D., I don't care what kind of training you have. It's nothing compared to what those 12 guys had. They had three years, 24-7, being trained by Jesus. I train church planning trainers. I've studied Jesus as a trainer now because as a trainer, I want to know how did Jesus train. I think he was by far – I think that is an untapped um, subject in the church right now is how did Jesus train leaders. We never, we want to go to Lencioni or some business book or what, and it drives me nuts because pastors are so trendy. I, I, at times I'm just like, dude, if you quote another business book at me right now, do you even understand how Jesus trained? Cause the world doesn't understand it yet. So good. And, 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 and the church doesn't understand it. We're still taking our lead from the business world that changes every five years, you know? And, and, and my point is, you know, Jesus trained these guys for 12 years, and then he still tells them in Acts 1.8. In, in Acts 1.4, he says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the promise of the Father. Acts 1.8, when you receive this, you'll be my witnesses. Mm. Like, like, and what I love about this, he doesn't say you'll be my evangelist. This is what I was talking about earlier. When the Spirit comes upon you, there will be a power there. You will be my – a witness is an unconscious thing. Being a witness isn't something you do. It is an empowerment. It is something that just, it is something that somebody else receives a testimony. It's an authority that Jesus had. It comes with an authority. It's a, it's when Billy Graham used to stand up and say, the Bible says the corniest thing to a skeptic ever. And yet there was a power to it. Yeah. How did that happen? When Spurgeon ends up, you know, the only way you can explain, someone once came to Spurgeon and said, how do I explain all these people come into faith. If you don't know about Charles Spurgeon, he was the preacher in the 1800s in London who literally they had this charter special ferries to get people in his church. He had to tell his congregation, please only come three out of four weeks because we don't have capacity. Largest church in London don't have capacity for everybody. So people would stand out outside to try to hear it in massive crowds. Well, Spurgeon went down to the basement and showed a, a visitor, that's the secret power. And it was a basement full of 200 people plus brain. Right. And he says, that's nonstop here. And then on top of that, when they were uh, building the Metropolitan Tabernacle, um, 
they were meeting in the Surrey Gardens Music Hall. And Spurgeon went to test the acoustics one day. And this is during, by the way, the 1859 revival that's hitting worldwide. This is, this is how it would happen. Spurgeon goes in there and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Just says it boldly to test the acoustics. And up on the balcony, unbeknownst yeah. to Spurgeon, is this old guy repairing a chair who gets saved. He's repairing one of the wooden seats, and he immediately, um, in times of the Great Awakening with John Wesley, a guy hops on the table and up and says, oh, I'm John Wesley, and pretends he's preaching, suddenly becomes overwhelmed with his sinfulness, just complete conviction of the Holy Spirit, breaks down and cries, comes to faith right there Man. on the floor of a pub with no preacher around. This is what I'm talking about. and. And this is our heritage, That's right. and we've sold our yeah. birthright for a pot of stew, right. right? We're all like we don't even know what we're giving up, and and I, I bring up in reaching the end. Sorry, I'm passionate about this because yeah, we are too, I, bro. I I I, I got woke. I got woke on yeah. the mission field, you know. Um, and, 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 and the missionaries come back. I, I was interviewing a guy and this isn't reaching the unreached. I was interviewing a guy from the Southern Baptist and they're not supposed to believe in this, but <laughs> he was part of the underground church, uh, part of, um, IMB international mission board. Yeah. And, uh, I asked him, I said, what, what are you guys seeing right now? And he said, bro, I, 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 is this on the record or off the record? And I said, this is. This is off the record. And and he was a missionary so cool I could never use his, his real name. And he said, Bro, we're seeing the dead raised in Southeast Asia right now. Yeah. And and it uh, I'm I'm at a, what do I say? I mean, God is the same God yeah. everywhere. Amen. And times of revival are when people tap into that Acts one yeah. eight. And, and, and I make the point that you can't be an Acts chapter 2 church. That's what we all want. But you can't be an Acts chapter 2 church until you first become an Acts chapter 1 church. Yeah. Man, dude, that, that, that is so just, – just listening to you. I mean, it's so awesome. I, I, you know, we do this podcast, and uh, our listeners, they think, like, we're bringing information and stuff. But we, we get ministered to also. Yep. And, um, I mean, like, we've been talking so much, Peyton, right now as a network, is, like, about power and about prayer and about spirit. And – you know, he, heroes of ours are guys like Watchman Nee and Andrew Murray and, and guys who understood like what we're talking about is Christianity. Actually, it's 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 actually what is promised to us. It's what what we're what we're told we can do in the spirit's power. And I love what you said, man. And and, and for everybody listening, that's going to be planting churches and being part of church playing teams like we're we don't we don't have anything else. <laughs> like we just, right. we don't have anything else, man. And like. I think I think every planner has to get to that point. I mean, you know, you you train trainers and and we're part of that too. And and you see so many of these planners, and it's like they think if we get all these lessons, if we get all these competencies, yes, man, we believe in that stuff. We coach our planners that we we champion that stuff. But if they get all these competencies and all these skills, and they're going to be you know Johnny A squared away church planner, and they're going to become a mega church, and they're going to multiply or whatever. And we're missing the most important ingredient, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have that, if you don't seek that on an everyday basis, not not every day, but moment by moment, you have nothing Mm -hmm. like there's there's nothing about you. And that's why we brought up personality earlier, because, man, I'm just so Jared and I have this conversation all the time. We're just so sick of personality. We're so, you know, you got to have this or, you know, I love this conversation that we're having with North American Mission Board Sin Network now about finding planners Everyday planners, man, stop looking for like the tins, you know, like right. the, the the unicorns or the the, the bigfoots we're, in the woods. We're right? having the discussion right now um, within the network about even, you know, all of us in working on the team believe in you know the the five different roles, and we're even saying, hey, you you can you can have your apostolic, but when you get the prophetic guys, when you get these guys coming yeah. through, what do you do with them? Yeah. And and we're we're starting to open up. Maybe the system that we have doesn't account for those guys, yeah. and we need to be able. To, it's really healthy, man. The 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 Sin Network right now has been a really really healthy. Um, you got guys like Jeff Christopherson, who yeah. that guy he's a radical, yeah. and yeah, and yet he knows how to. You know, this is the great thing is that 
when you're apostolics, like, so for example, like if I'm, if I'm planting a church, this is, these are true stories. Um, in, in, in a couple of the churches I planted, um, once I wanted to move the entire church into a truck stop and they, they said, what are we going to do about the kids? And I said, Oh, there's a Burger King there and we'll, they can have the ball pit. <laughs> and, Get and so I need, man. yeah. So I literally need the, uh, shepherd to tell me, um, Hey, uh, you literally, um, you can't do that because you're going to not lead the church. Another time, this is, That's this is no awesome. joke. This is, this is really what it's like. This is why we need this team. Yeah. We need this balance of conservative and, and radical because another time in Long Beach, I was like, Hey, remove it to the corner gas station. And it, they'll go, well, Peyton, there's drive-bys there. And I go, that's okay. We got to reach that neighborhood. They go, well, Peyton, um, we got kids. And I go, hey, I've thought that through. So, because well, it was going to be an outdoor corner church. And that's why they're like, hey, there's drive-bys. They're going to pick us off. I said, look, I said, the pit in the garage will be our Sunday school. The kids will be safe down there. Oh, uh, Peyton, Peyton. We no. can't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, oh, my man. wife is radical, but she's sane. So, you know, the, the, everything's sane in the Jones house. But wow. I need that. I need that balance of people to rope me in and say, hey, brother, you're thinking purely like an apostle. But we got a whole church to move forward. We need this tension between the shepherd who says, well, well what about the family? What about the kids? And, and we need that. And, and that's a healthy thing. It's almost like God's given us all the tools we need to uh, to accomplish the Great Commission, isn't it? It's crazy. What? You know? I know. That's crazy talk, <laughs> man. Um, you know, like, and like we can continue to talk about team church playing for uh, forever, but I, I think, uh, you know, I, I just wrapping this up on the dependency of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, and I would just encourage guys, Peyton, you talked about in your book, I loved what you said about um, consecration and separation. Like if we want to right. be yeah. filled with the spirit, which is something that, um, man, we're just, we're, we're desperate for up here right now. Yeah. I know. Um, we're just, we're just tired of yep. any man-made type of anything. Right. Like we just, we we're begging God to pour his spirit out upon us. Um, yeah. I think it takes consecration and separation. Yeah. I just wanted to know, uh, ask you if you'd speak into that, those two things real quick. Yeah. You know, in that, that chapter was, really, my wife is really funny because she will, what drives her nuts is if somebody talks about these things and doesn't tell you how, right? Like, I think the scripture tells us how I, I think like when Paul says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy spirit. It's a juxtaposition. It's a command. And then it's a juxtaposition. It's, it's a, it's, it is a type of consecration. Now, I, I am gospel centered. I am grace based. I'm all of those things. And yet I think we've got a one-sided um, lean right now that's not helping us. Because for me, like I'll tell people, I'll say, look, I, I sanctify myself that others might be sanctified like Jesus. Like I set myself apart because I want that power. I want to be um, like, like Paul says to Timothy, hey, in a, in, in a noble house, there are instruments for noble and ignoble Amen. purpose. Cleanse yourself of the latter yeah. that you may be useful for every good work. I want to be useful. I want to be I want my ministry to have impact. So that's the internet porn. That's got to go, right? Yeah, like man. all these things that people mess around with. And, and here's the thing, that's guys, right. for your listeners, those of you listening, when you're on mission, that stuff, it, it doesn't appeal. Yes, you get attacked. Yes, you get tempted. But the, it, it's, I, I make this point in Reaching the Unreach that we substitute entertainment or whatever excitement mm-hmm. for adventure. Like, the adventure that God calls us on replaces all that. It's when we, like David, you know, who did not go out with the kings in the time that they go out to war. Yep. It's when you're holding back and you're not. When you're on mission, you've got enough excitement in your life. And my point about consecration, it was kind of like a here's how. And it wasn't a step-by-step because nothing can replace that whole idea that at some point you've got to sit before God <laughs> and have a head-on encounter. And we want, and let me just say this. I went on a journey. I, I, I'm a wreck, man. I, I, if I were to open up my spiritual cupboard and show you everything, my journey on a, on a chart, you know, with like a, you know, a trajectory, it would be a wreck. 
because I'm, I'm God's problem child. So mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of grateful that I got to write about this because it has not been easy. There's been times I've been in my walk like, Lord, am I just spiritually dead now? Like, are we done? Like, yeah. you know, we're and, and, you know, this week marked the 10 year anniversary of my death, near death experience. I had a near death experience. I mean, I can't even describe to you what happened when I came awake on that operating table. And I mean, I've, I've been filled, you know, I've had powerful experience with the Holy Spirit, but this week has been a, a real, um, take stock kind of week. And, um, it's interesting because as I look back on my journey over the years, um, there are times of real desperation that I've had to get to where, <laughs> I almost wonder, like, Lord, am I just, just do I have something internally broken that's mm-hmm. never going to be fixed? And and God just comes through every single time and shows to me, I am the same Jesus you came to know when it was all new. And, and you just, the slightest Bible verse, just, you, you could just feed on that forever. And, 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 and you just, when you were first learning to worship, you couldn't believe that you could even sing to me, still that same Jesus. And he will show himself to you in a different way over your journey. But if you continue to get close to him and to seek him, I mean, that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. As he says, if you seek me, you will find me. Who asks his father? And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Who, which father, if his son says, give me a stone or a bread, piece of bread, will give him a stone. Mm. And so there's all this encouragement where God goes, if you just know my heart, but we run from the desperation. Yep. We yeah. run from the fact, oh, it's hard. I must be doing. No, I, I, I love to tell people in church planning and in things of the spirit, because things of the spirit are not easy. Prayer is not easy. Evangelism is not two things that are not easy in the Christian walk is prayer and evangelism. Yeah. You're not meant to be good at these mm-hmm. yeah. because it's not about you. Yeah. It's about God. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I, you're, you don't get to be good at prayer. Prayer will often be a struggle, yeah. and other times it will be bliss. Yeah. You don't get to be good at evangelism because it's the Holy Spirit. Both of those things are about dependence on the Holy Spirit. You don't get to be good, but don't run from it because you don't feel good at it. Because what we do is when we don't feel good at these things, we keep away from them because we don't want to feel bad. Guys, if we would just understand that it's about dependency, you're not meant to feel good. You're meant to feel like, I don't got this. That was Jesus's message in Acts 1.8. Guys, you don't got this. Here's the mission to go to the ends of the earth, but you don't got this. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the power. The consecration, all that, as you read that chapter, I walk you through why. It's consecration, separation, and then it leads to consummation, being consumed by that fire from heaven. Um, and and it's more than I can unpack here, oh, but yeah. if you, but buy the book. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm just teasing. No, and hey, we're oh, gonna have man. a link cha-ching. to the book. Yeah, cha-ching. <laughs> cha-ching. I actually wanted to download one of a, a cha-ching sound effect, and I forgot. Uh, I was gonna do that for you, but. But hey, guys, seriously, you need to head over. We're going to have yeah. a link in our show notes to uh, to go purchase the book. If you haven't read it, you need to buy it. If you've read it, go buy a copy for somebody else and give it to them. Uh, and Peyton, man, I, you know, I've told you this before, but uh, even though we've actually never gotten to meet in person, you've had uh, you're one of the people that's had a, a profound impact on my mm. life, uh, just your ministry. And I just want to thank you yeah. uh, for I know and and dude, I know that you'd be the first person to say like you just did, like, hey, I'm broken and and I've got a lot of uh, issues just like I do. Yeah. Uh, but I just mm. appreciate your it's all of us, yeah, man. Right, but I appreciate bro. your openness and just your willingness yeah, to man. share with us what you're what you're learning. And, and I just, man, I, I wish we could keep talking cause there's so much more we could, we could unpack, but, uh, but this man. has been so good. And I, I think that, uh, there's nothing, I think we covered the most important aspect uh, of church planning that there is today. Yeah, so. man, absolutely. Dude, Peyton, I would just, man, like what my, it's so funny. You're talking about this consecration and separation and stuff because my wife and I was just having this conversation two nights ago about a term you never hear anybody preach on anymore. Carnal Christianity. We don't talk about it. We don't say it. We don't talk about holiness. My grandmother is like my spiritual mentor. And um, she told me, she called me up one one time. She's 89 years old, year before she passed away. And she said, Matt, she got caught up in the holiness movement at the end of her life. She said, Matt, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what, Grandma? She said, I got sanctified. I'm not going to sin anymore. And so I was, t- I, w- I was telling the story to a group of church players I coach. And they're like, oh, man, what did you say to her? Did you, did you take her to this passage? Did you take her to that passage? Did you show her this? And I said, listen, this woman was the godliest woman 
I'd ever, <laughs> ever known in my entire life. And they said, so what'd you say to her? I said, congratulations, grandma. <laughs> I just said, man, that's awesome. I wasn't going to correct her. I wasn't going to do anything. She was 90 years old and she was a godly woman. Of course, we don't believe you can be sanctified, but man, this holiness is what you're talking about, man. And I agree with Jared just wholeheartedly, man. Thanks for your openness, your transparency to have a seasoned planner come on here and, and talk in that way. For our listeners, it's just powerful, man, because we all got the, that baggage. We all got those scars. And, uh, man, just love your heart. Love love, love how God's using you right now. Thanks so much, bro. Sure. I appreciate it, guys. And, you know, um, I, I appreciate your encouragement to uh, what I've done. It's funny, man. This week, I was telling you, it was, uh, it, it's been one of those very reflective times. I turned 45 as well, which... Ooh. It feels like you're you're just around the corner from 50, so you do a lot of stock taking in your life. And <laughs> yeah. Just this week has been pouring in uh, a lot of encouragement from writings and podcasts and articles, and it's funny, man, because I I my wife was trying to talk me off of the ledge. I was like, hey, I just want to disappear, Francis Chan style, shut it all down, <laughs> shut every blog down, shut every podcast down. I've got another book contract in the works right now. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm just going to tell them no. And, uh, and, and this week, you know, just so many people saying thanks. And I, I, part of me, I, I'm still weighing through that. So if I disappear, yeah. you know why it's cause I'm a ninja. That's what ninjas do. <laughs> ninjas do it, we go man. back, we go back into the shadows, but, uh, but anyways, if the book does appear, if I don't sign the contract, it'll be at pagejones.ninja and you can read it there. Otherwise, uh, you know, um, I guess I'll still be around. We Jury's out on that one, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, uh, Peyton, again, thanks so much. And guys, make sure you go by Reaching the Unreached. And we want to thank everybody for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, make sure you head over to www.getinthetrenches.com and you can listen to other episodes there. Uh, we also need your help getting the word out. So if uh, this podcast has been beneficial at all to you, then do us a, head, a huge favor. Head on over to iTunes. Man, I can't talk right now. Uh, head on over to iTunes, Google uh, Play, or Stitcher. We're on all three of those platforms. Five stars only. Five star only, please. And uh, go ahead and uh, <laughs> subscribe to the podcast and then leave a written review, and that'll help get this podcast in the hands of more planners so that uh, they can benefit from it too. We'll be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners. <laughs>